This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Today we're going to hear from my wife, Olga. A few weeks ago she spoke at our Sunday school class at our church in the United States, and she spoke about the topic of what is the church. Before we get into that, I'd like to remind you that if you have any questions for me, any comments, any feedback you'd like to give, please do send me a note at the email address ancientpaths at cantrell.cc. I'd also like to take the opportunity to thank my listeners for the encouragement that I've received recently. Several people who listen to the podcast have expressed their gratitude for the fact that I just spend the time doing this. <laughs> it is nice to hear the feedback. It's a, a funny thing when I sit and record. It's just me sitting in a room talking into a microphone, sort of imagining that people are listening, but I don't really know exactly who listens and in what circumstances they listen. And Of course, I don't know the circumstances of your life. So it is good to hear that God is speaking to us, and I'm glad that there are people that appreciate it. So thank you very much. Now, a little background about what Olga is going to talk about. A week or two before she spoke, another man, his name is Stan, and he had recently been on a road trip driving in the northeastern United States, and he noticed that in many of the small towns, there were church buildings that were shut down. The churches had closed, and the buildings were either closed completely or they were being repurposed for some other use. And he remarked on how the church in these small towns, the fellowships of believers that used to be so prominent, are no longer there. And so that got Olga to thinking about what is the church exactly. And buildings are being closed. And actually right now as I speak, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And many churches are having to close because... There are not as many people coming to the buildings, and it costs a lot of money to keep buildings going. So these are things that Olga was thinking about, and then she talked about them. And I hope that you are encouraged in your walk with the Lord as you listen to what Olga shared a few Sundays ago. Well, I need help today. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> there are many thoughts to share, and... Many things running through my head. <laughs> well, I was thinking actually kind of all week. I sort of wanted to maybe continue a little bit what Stan has started last Sunday about churches. And I wanted to talk a little bit more maybe about what is church. You know, because he was talking about why the churches closed their doors. You know, that they went northeast and they found that a lot of churches were closed and refurbished into different things. And why does it happen? And I think, you know, it's a very good question to ask. Why do those things happen? And I think the answer is probably very big and complicated. And there are so many aspects in answering that question. Because just like any life of the person, it can be, you know, it's not very simple. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> you know, life is very simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> 
So I wanted to start with just thinking, what is a church? And you know, feel free to say anything, please. Let's uh, be, you know, let's build a dialogue here, okay? Because you know, I believe that church should be about dialogue, actually. You know, that's what we come here for. You know, to fellowship, to share the love of life of God in us. As I'm standing here, I'm seeing your faces, but you don't really see each other's faces, especially those who sit in the back don't see the faces of people sitting in the front. I mean, I really benefit when I stand there because I see your faces and I get so blessed by seeing things that are reflected in faces as, as you think, as you contemplate, as you, you know, the glory of God is shining on our faces. And uh, whoever is speaking is really blessed because <laughs> they see that. <laughs> But God wants all of us to see it with each other so that we would benefit from each other because we can all teach each other. You know, there are so many of us here. I mean, you all, pretty much everybody is older than me, except... <laughs> so I'm kind of like... <laughs> no, I'm just saying that you have so much to share. You have so much to contribute. You have learned. Every one of us have learned so much. And, um, and we just need to start blessing each other with this and be, be the members of the body. Mm-hmm. I like in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about the body. I, I love Ephesians 4. Um, I was at the Bible study this Sunday at uh, Susan's house, and they said, just, just happened to be there. <laughs> just kind of, uh, and she said, we're studying Ephesians 4. And I was like, oh, I love Ephesians 4. And in verse 16, it says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's funny because when I think of something, you know, because I read Russian Bible, and um, it's, you know, language is always a little bit different. You know, with every translation, you lose something and you gain something. I really like how it says there about this, um, oh, where is it? I lost it. Just a second every supporting ligament. I really like how it says in my Bible where, it's, where it says mutually strengthening ligament. So it just gives you a little bit deeper meaning. It's a mutually strengthening ligament. And then it says here, as each part does it, its work. So we all have a work to do to build up the body of Christ to be this ligament that hangs on and helps others hang on. We hold on to each other. It's not like I'm holding this hand. No, I'm holding, you know, my both hands, you know, hold each other. And we all hold each other. And it says that we are, that the, the whole body of Christ grows and builds itself up in love. In this way, as each member does its part. And you know, in, in, in one way, this is what the church is, right? It's not just we came here, we sat down, we listened to a sermon, we listened to something, and then we went home. It's much more than that. Early disciples, I mean, early church, well, for one thing, they didn't call themselves Christians, right? You, we know that. They, they were called Christians by others. But they did not call themselves Christians. They called themselves disciples, which is the same word as pupil, Right? Right? Well, at least, again, in Russian language, the word disciple and pupil is the same word. A student. And the student or pupil, they learn. They have to learn certain things. 
They have to learn, they have to exercise their knowledge, they have to you know, acquire a skill, they have to perfect their skill so that they could become like their master. So that they in turn could teach others who come after them, right? That's why we teach. The students in school and colleges, they learn, they do work and then they in their turn will teach others. So that's what disciples are. You know, if you come to a person and say, are you a Christian? They'll say yes. But if you come to them and say, are you a disciple? I think that will make them think. Because we're just so used to saying we are Christians, we're a Christian nation, we're a Christian culture, we're a Christian, I don't know, whatever. And in a way, we have used this word so much that, it's, you know, like the word love, it just kind of loses its meaning. But if we say, you know, we're disciples of Christ, you know, are you a disciple of Christ? then it makes us think, well, am I? If I'm a disciple, am I learning? Am I getting my exercise? You know, am I going through certain tasks that I need to do in order to learn? Like if we learn math, we have to do math problems to really learn the concept, to master it. Well, am I given tasks to do to strengthen my walk with Christ? Am I, as I'm learning, am I teaching others? We all know that the best way to teach somebody, I mean, to learn things is to teach somebody else. You know, even kids in school, they're given tasks sometimes to help their friends and to teach them. You know, my, my sister was really great at teaching math, even like while in school. I mean, she is so great at explaining math. Just amazing. But we learn, you know, we learn by even teaching others. The other day, Valerie was writing a letter to her friend in Romania who is having some hard time, and she let me read it, thankfully. Like, I learned something about my daughter. She, she, we had some kind of explosions that were happening that she was not willing to tell me, but then she let me re read the letter that she wrote to her friend where she explains what was happening to her. That was so sweet. But anyway, but at the end, she, you know, she wrote it and she said, you know what? As I wrote it, I got so encouraged. I was like, wow. This is, because as we encourage others, we get encouragement. You know, it's more blessed, blessed to give than to receive. So when we give encouragement, comfort, fellowship, word, whatever it is that God is prompting us to do, we are really on the receiving end, you know, as much as they are. It's, it's amazing. You know, people who went on mission trips can tell you how much they gained through it, how much it was a blessing to them. They may not necessarily know how much a blessing it was to others, but they see what, what kind of work God has done in them. And as they gave, they received. And as we need more, as we, as we are in a you know, harder circumstances, God has given us more. I remember when I was, I was in my early 20s and I went in Siberia to this town called Novosibirsk, which is considered to be a center of Siberia, at least 200 years ago it was. I don't know how about now, but back then it was a very hard town. It was, it was still a very big communist stronghold. Churches were really um, under a lot of pressure. You know, two weeks ago I was telling you about some people that said that they had a death sentence on their lives. Well, that was in that town. And uh, <clears throat> I remember how hard it was there. It's like you could really feel the oppression. It was just almost suffocating. You were like... <gasps> But at the same time, I was so aware of the presence of God so much stronger. As I prayed, as I sought Him, I could just tell that He was so much stronger there. 
because you were in a much more hard-pressed situation. And as I talked to my friends there, I was like, you know, we can't really do ministry here much. We cannot, you know, preach on the streets. We can, I mean, have a church building. We can do things in the church, but we're so limited. What do we do? They're like, well, we pray. You know, that's, we believe that we're just here to pray and pave the way that we will prepare the way for others. And my, my friends uh, who are in the, in the Urals, you know, that I told, told you two weeks ago about, I mean, they said, you know, we're willing to live. We want to live in St. Petersburg. We want to live like God. <laughs> well, it's like, we <laughs> will go anywhere. It's like, no, I want you here. Why? I want you here. We're the last ones. No, I want you here. You know, what are we doing here? We're just sitting here praying. Yes. I want you here. <laughs> and it's obedience. You know, again, we as disciples, we do what the Lord tells us to do. And we build each other up. And we all do our part. You know, we realize that the church, of course, is not the building, right? Yeah. Of, of course, it's not the, this world. It's great to have a building. Our church in Russia doesn't have its own building. You know, and it, there are certain limitations that come with that. I mean, we, have, we rent a hall for Sunday services, and there is a church office where maybe... Maybe 15 could meet in tolerable, uh, good sort of conditions and things like that. But if you want to meet anywhere during the, during the week, you have to meet at homes because there's no other place to meet. And of course, St. Petersburg is so huge. Just getting there, you know, it's like I see you in a small town. There's just something about small towns. It's just so much more. It just gives much more opportunities because... In St. Petersburg, if I have to go somewhere and it takes me only 40 minutes, I say, oh, it's so close. Because <laughs> usually it's an hour or more, one way. And you really have to, it's like if I want to go see my friends, like I have a friend who lives on the outskirts, if I want to go see her, I know I have to give at least half a day because it will take me more than one hour to get there, more than one hour to get back. And if you spend so much time on just getting there and back, you want to, you know, make it worth a while. You know, just, you're not going to do it for just a 30-minute visit or a one-hour visit. So, you know, having a small town is really making, I always find myself that I have more time here because I don't spend so much time running around. <laughs> so this is great. This is, this is great. So, so disciples, you know, making disciples, you know, we're told to make disciples, right? And again, Russian says to teach because... Yeah, the phrase to make disciples is just not, not, not possible to translate into Russian. It just makes no sense. How do I make disciples? Out of clay? Out of sand? <laughs> Out of construction paper? <laughs> what do I make them? <laughs> uh, but it says to teach. To teach. So basically, to make disciples means to teach, to lay down the foundation. Well, I'm trying to learn Serbian. And as I look back at the way, at the way I learned English, it took quite a long time to get the basics down for you know four or five years it felt like there was just random information that was put into my brain and it all was just a big jumble you know kind of like a big uh, yarn that is just not put in a you know it's just a mess and you are like what you know especially with all these tenses you know we don't have we only have present past and future it's like in here it's just you know, I'm teaching some kids now, and I tell them, okay, watch this sentence. What tense is it? They'll say present. I was like, which present? You know, <laughs> present and <laughs> it's like there are four, present and four past and four future. And they're like, ah, and how do you explain that to them? But I remember it took me a while to like sort of four or five years at least where just different bits of 
information was put in and then suddenly it just came together as a big puzzle I was like oh so it takes a while where you just kind of you teach and you teach and you teach and it doesn't make any sense for a while you just you're like okay oh you got it uh-huh which test is this oh I don't know <laughs> You know, it's a hard work to teach. It's a hard work to learn. Even if you want to learn. Sometimes we don't want to learn. <laughs> but, um, but it's laying down the foundation. And there will be a time when you start building on this foundation. I really, I told it before, I think. But uh, for a while, I worked in a construction company in St. Petersburg. And I loved it. I, I worked as an interpreter because the, the client was Russian. The contractor was British and Finnish. Uh, so the languages of the construction side were Russian and English. So, and I loved it. It just was amazing because it's just such a witness of God's work. Building a house is such a witness of God's work because, I mean, we're called a spiritual house, right? Yeah. And so it was amazing how working there and seeing how they thought about building. It was a huge construction, pro construction project. It was like nine buildings that had to be put together with uh, underground parking, plus the soils are terrible. You know, St. Petersburg was built on a swamp. So soils are really, really bad. You have to drill way down deep, like, I don't know, 90 feet probably, into the bedrock. You have to put the spiles. And then, and then once you hit the bedrock, you have to go another 10 feet into the bedrock to make sure that your pile actually stands on a very firm foundation. So it was fascinating, actually, to me to learn all those things. I actually, I don't know how, I was just in my early 20s, I got to go actually, I got assigned a job of being the interpreter of the project manager. So I would go with him to all of the meetings with the client, with the developers, with uh, all kinds of stuff. But it was super interesting. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> but I was amazed how they just, they talked so much about how we're going to build a foundation. We can do a few piles and a big slab, or we do many piles and a smaller slab, and this is the you know, cost of this, and this is the cost of this, and this is the advantage of this, and this is the advantage of that. And they just kept talking about how we're going to build this foundation. And all the time they say, guys, we need to really talk about this. It's like, and every time they said, you know, once we build a foundation, the walls and the roof will go up in no time. We must build a strong foundation. We must build this well. If anything happens to the building, it's always the builders that are blamed. Not the developers, not the architects, it's the builders. And if you want it to stand, it has to be a good foundation. And I was like, yeah, that's what God wants to do. Like, he, he needs to teach us. He wants to build a good foundation in our lives so we can stand. I remember we had, we had subcontractors too who did different jobs because it was a huge project. And I remember one guy once came to my office where I was working took off his hard hat, sat down, and he said, I'm telling you, Olga, if there's ever a nuclear attack on this city, you run to the basement of these buildings. They will stand anything. He's like, they're building them strong enough to support a skyscraper. And it was only going to be a four-story buildings. You know, you just see how God wants to build our lives, that it can stand, build such a foundation. We may not have to build a skyscraper. But if we have to, it will support it. It will stand. We can stand on that foundation. 
you know, we all have this feeling where we're on a sinking ground, right? Or, or we all have a feeling when we are on a solid ground. Well, this is the truth. And the discipleship, having this strong foundation of faith, you know, one of the reasons I think people leave the church, I mean, the church has closed the doors because people are leaving. And why are they leaving? Because they're losing faith. Well, why is they losing faith? What is their faith built on? Do we teach them well? You know, do we pursue God? Are we really committed to God? God wants to put this foundation to us. We just need to be willing. And even if we are such a bad soil like in St. Petersburg, the place where we were building used to be a river. 300 years ago it was filled up, and of course, 300 years ago they didn't really know much, so they didn't fill up properly, so there's still a river there somewhere underground. So the soil really is like a nightmare of the <laughs> any building company. But they did it. They built a foundation. Um, so we want, God wants us to have a strong foundation. And in order to have a strong foundation, we have to you know, be willing for that foundation to be put into us. We need to pursue God. I'll give you another example. This year, in, uh, <clears throat> when I was in Krasnoyarsk, <clears throat> when we went to Siberia. So I went there with Valerie and another girl named Lily, who is the daughter of our pastor. And um, there were a lot of young people there, you know, a lot of young people. And then, but um, one day Lily sort of commented to me and she said, you know, these young people told me that they looked all over the Bible and they didn't find there anything that would tell them they are not allowed to use a horoscope. <laughs> you know, I sometimes when I'm told something, I cannot immediately come up with the answers. I think about it like a... In Russian, we have a saying, the smart thought is late coming. <laughs> so, like, next day, I really came up with the answer. And I was like, well, of course, if they just opened up a concordance and looked up the word horoscope there, they probably didn't even find that word in concordance. But... I was like, well, tell, how did they look through the Bible? Like this? They just took the Bible and just looked through the leaves hoping that the word horoscope will jump on them? And one of those young people was a pastor's son who, I mean, they were thinking of making him youth pastor at 17. Thankfully, they didn't. But I was like, excuse me? These are the young people? These are the, I mean, pastor's son and people who've been in church? And they say they looked through the entire Bible and didn't see that, you know, that God forbids using horoscopes. I'm like, how in the world did they read their Bible? I mean, everywhere it says that God doesn't approve anybody coming to anything or anybody other than him for answers. How didn't they see that? I mean, you can't just take the Bible and, uh, you know, take the thing out of context. Oh, I like that one. I'll use it. But it just shows what are they really, what kind of foundation do these people have? You know, while we were there, I mean, these young people, we went, um, we went, like, after we've done all of our work, there's this big national park there. And the church sort of took us to this national park to spend the night there, to do the hiking trails, just to kind of relax and spend some time with leaders. And um, you cannot drive in there. You either have to hike about four miles to the camping ground, or you can order a bus from that national park 
and they will drive you there, but you pay for it. And so the church hired, you know, hired a bus because needed to take a lot of food. You kind of you bring your own food and things like that. So they took us there, but there was no place for these young people. They hiked that day. You know, four miles up and then four miles down to you know because they couldn't spend the night there to be with us because they saw that what what we could offer was something real. The next day they hiked back again to be with us again because they saw. You know, we see when something is real. We see when people are really serious with God. Like young people, old people, all of us, doesn't matter. We know when we encounter something real. And this is what we want. We want something real. Well, we need to become those real people. You know, and that means that each one of us, you know, and I know a lot of you do. I mean, I, I know a lot of you and I really admire you know, a lot of you. And I just want to encourage you to keep, you know, to keep digging because God is so worth it. And because people will see that you have something real to offer. And they'll be able to, you know, they'll be willing even to hike <coughs> up the mountain four miles and then took hiking trails with you <laughs> as you go more hiking. But it was amazing because like Lily, she was like, they, they hiked? And then the next day they hiked again? And they were willing to do anything just to be as long as possible with us, to sit and to listen. Because, unfortunately, they were not really taught. You know, what do we teach our young people? Do we tell them what things are really, really are? I mean, unfortunately, well, I know here and in Russia it's becoming the same way. We are about entertainment. You know, we want them to have fun. But they don't want to have fun anymore. It's empty. It's empty, and they know, and they know... Like once they become teenagers, they need challenges. You know, they want to, we all want to be involved in something much more meaningful than just playing, you know? And we all, of course, you know, tend to say, oh, it's somebody else's fault, you know, we're all human, you know? But we just, you know, like, like I said, it was two weeks ago, you know, we need to be faithful and little. We need to be asking God what it is that he wants us to do. Who does he want us to teach? Not, not in maybe in a way where we say, okay, sit down, I'm going to teach you. No, but it's more, you know, living life together. A few years ago with <clears throat> Valerie, we were studying, in our school, we were studying this ancient um, Native American civilizations in, you know, North and South America, well, mostly Central and South America. And I think it was Incas that we read about. In their day, there was this time that was given to fellowship. So it's like their day was pretty much structured. They get up, they cook their breakfast, they do their work, and they do this and this and this. But then, right before they go to bed, it was an hour or two where everybody would just get out of their homes and visit with their neighbors every day. It was like a time assigned for visiting and for sharing. Like women talk to women, men talk to men. And I, I was like, this is so beautiful. This is so beautiful. We are a lot of times so scared in our homes. We're so scared in our work to do. You know, it's so hard for us to find time to even just sit down for 30 minutes together because we're so busy. But what matters most? Again, what is a church? I had a conversation with a friend of mine from Russia for two hours a couple of weeks ago that I haven't talked to her for a while. She wrote me out of the blue. And I was like, oh, that was so sweet. Uh, but she mentioned her son who is 15. He doesn't want to go to church. Been in church all his life. He doesn't want to go to church. 
And she was saying, well, I just want to have, you know, I just want to get him to go to church. And I was thinking, and I told her, I said, you know, you don't want to get him to church. You want to get him to God. Because yeah. church is added. No, church is the fellowship of the believers. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. We may be going to church, and then that's where they go watch some kind of movie made by whoever knows and teach, that teaches us all kinds of things that Bible doesn't teach us, you know, that makes us compromise. You know, is it fine? Going to church is not what is saving us. It's God who is saving us. And then if we're saved by God and follow God, we have church. We have fellowship. We have fellowship of believers. You know, I don't have to be in the building to have a church because church, we all know, is not a building. It's the fellowship of believers. We are gathered no matter where, parking lot, forest. So the church, the fellowship of the believers is added to our walk with God. It's not the other way around. I mean, it can be. You know, people come to church, they hear the gospel. But even if they come to church, hear the gospel, get saved. Again, the salvation is not a one-time thing, right? Right? It's not just, I said the prayer, that's it. I'm safe, right? This is a continuous tense, you know? Uh, because it's, we perform our salvation daily. You know, the Bible says with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling, because... It's not, it's not like we have believed and that's it. No, it's those who keep on believing. It's not like, oh, I believed 20 years ago, and so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> it has to be active. We have to continue. You know, we'll be, we are being saved. And if we are being saved, then it's, it's a walk. It's a journey. It's not something that we just relax and sit back. And sometimes the walk in the Spirit is not very spectacular, right? I mean, there are some very spectacular things, but most of the times it's a daily routine. Even as we wash the dishes, do we do it for the Lord? I wanted to read to you a little bit from um, Ephesians, comp comparison. Uh, I got it from a, a preacher that I like to listen to, David Parson. But he was, I was listening to him actually talking about the epistles Epistle to Ephesians, and it actually was a very general, it wasn't addressed to Ephesians originally. It's a very general letter, and it's a really good letter that explains Christianity, just basics of Christianity and um, just what it is, because originally it was meant as just a general letter for churches, for fellowships, and so that's why it's very general, but it's very good. And so the Ephesians is basically broken into two parts, you know, chapters one through three and kind of four through five. And they are sort of different. And I want to read to you the comparison between two. So in the first part, we have salvation on the inside. And on the second part, in the second part, we have salvation on the outside. Okay. In the first part, it talks about doctrine. Well, genuinely. Second is about responsibilities. First one is what are we saved by, not by the good deeds. And the second part says what we're saved for, for good deeds. <laughs> the first one talks about the blessings of forgiveness and the second one about necessity of holiness. The first one talks about justification, second one about sanctification. First one is about deliverance, second one is our response to deliverance. What do we do with it? 
First one is worship and second one is application of worship. First one is about sovereignty of God and second one is about the human responsibility. First one is about God's purposes and power and the second one is about our life and, and battles and warfare. In the first part it talks about the things inside the church and the second part things outside the church. First part is vertical, our relationships with God. Second part is horizontal, our relationships with one another. So it's really a good picture. We need both parts in our lives, and we need them in that order. Like the first part, you know, salvation on the inside, salvation not by the good deeds, forgiveness, uh, deliverance, worship. It all has to come first. And then second. But second has to come too. A lot of religions would want to put second part first. That's correct. But no, God wants, you know, as we as children, you know, we, we teach our children by love, most of all. You know, especially like we're adopted into God's family, right? And um, when we come to a family, like we'll, we'll say when we adopt children, you know, we first need to show them love, that they can trust us. Uh, we have to first build that foundation, and then on that we build. So God the same way. He shows us His goodness, but then He calls us to His righteousness. And we need to move from one to another. We need both. So we need to be established in all the basics of, his, of what He gives and what He is. But then our response to it has to come as well. And I think maybe a lot of times is that we want to stay in this first part. A lot of us want to stay in that first part because it's so nice. You know, because growing up means you have to, you know, get out of your comfort zone. You, know, you have to do something. You have to pick up the phone and call somebody. <laughs> you have to, you know, it's, it's not very comfortable. It's not very convenient. And even good changes, a lot of times we know that they're stressful. You know, we need to get used to them. So it's always nice to stay. You know, little kids, they want to grow up, but they want to grow up without responsibilities, you know, so... <laughs> And we know that it's not good for them. And the same way for us as believers. It's not good for us to grow in faith without responsibilities, without actually maturing in faith. So how do we walk in Christ? Because, again, church is about walking in Christ. It's about every one of us doing what God is asking us to do and coming together in church. And this is where we you know, share. I remember when we first got Valerie, I really lived from Sunday to Sunday. Like, it was hard. It was hard. So I'd come to church on Sunday, repent for all of the <laughs> mistakes I made, and get, get forgiven and get, you know, strengthened for another week. And the next Sunday, you know, I really, I literally was like, I don't know how people do it without going to church. I probably would not survive. <laughs> I would just die. Uh, and that's what we need church for, right? So that we would strengthen one another. Not so we would just come to this building and you know support this building because we need to keep this building open you know because we are the substance the building is just the form and the fact that the buildings are closing shows that the substance is just disappearing because what's the use of a glass if there's no water in it we can have a stove but if we have nothing to bake in a stove you know what 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 use so it, it's the life that these buildings hold that keeps these buildings open it's the life. Sometimes it's not a very convenient life. You know, it, witnessing and you know, uh, telling people that they need to change is not easy. 
not easy. But God is telling us how we do that. In love, the purpose of all exhortation is the love coming from the pure heart. How do we do it? You know, again, he's, he's telling us how to do it. And Ephesians is telling us a lot of things how we do it. But we just need to you know, be serious about God because evil is so well-packed. I mean, we have music out there. They have music. Two days ago, we heard a lot of music at the night. It was, <laughs> I bet it was fun. Some fraternity was having some party. And uh, it was loud. <laughs> After midnight, it was loud. <laughs> they were having fun. You know, and they probably, you know, would have more fun there than we usually have fun here, right? I mean, they know how to have fun because evil is so well packaged, and especially our young people are so uh, attacked because out there, there are a lot of things that tempt them. And what we need to offer is not some kind of counterfeit of that, but we need to offer life, you know, and it's hard. It's hard. We, have, we actually have a lot of uphill work for us. But if we follow the Lord, you know, if we seek Him, if we commit it to Him, if we have our foundations built where we can stand through anything, then we can show them. We learn things, and from our experience, we show them. We teach them. And, you know, we all appreciate when, I be, when we talk to, to seriously. Kids appreciate it when they talk to seriously. I remember Mike talked to Valerie um, a few years ago about pornography. Uh, there are books during the kids, and we, he read this book to her called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. It's, it explains it to kids, why is it bad, but in a, in a very discreet way. And she was maybe nine when he read it to her, but she was so thankful. She realized that we were doing it because we want to protect her, because we are telling her what can be a trap for her. And she was so thankful. You know, we can appreciate it when people talk straight to us in love and so we need to seek God and help others seek God Amen Jesus said to his disciples now that you know these things you will be blessed if you do them thank you for listening and God bless you all